Good morning. So thankful to see each of you here this morning. We're blessed to have a, another year laid out before us and another opportunity to, you know, get the year off on the right foot, you might say, uh, make our uh, various resolutions and try to keep them longer than about February 1st. So uh, maybe some of those will will manage to make it past the 1st of February, maybe uh, into March even. So that's, uh, that's progress. That's my New Year's resolution this year is to keep my New Year's resolution at least till March. So. <laughs> but uh, we're so thankful uh, to be back here in Missouri. Uh, a week of vacation, always nice to see the family, and, but it's always better to sleep in your own bed. And uh, so we're glad of that, to be home. And I don't know what just happened to my voice. It was fine until that song, and now it's starting to fade already. And so, let's get right to it before I run out of voice. Uh, in Job chapter 19, as we're going to get to it in a moment, but just think about Job. And, and I think we all know the story of Job, the first two chapters of Job, and what happens. You know, he is the greatest man in the East. He is a very wealthy man, a man that has been blessed by God, a man that is a righteous man and a faithful servant of God. He's very prosperous. He has all these things, a large family. Uh, he enjoys good health, and yet over a few days, maybe a, even one day, he gets these messengers that come one by one, and they tell him that he's lost everything, uh, his possessions, uh, even his children, even his spouse, uh, you know, and then later uh, he begins to lose his health. He is covered with boils, he's afflicted from head to toe with boils. He's in great pain. He is suffering uh, the uh, loss of all things, including his children. His wife even turns to him and says, curse God and die. Why do you retain your integrity? Why don't you just give up? You know, you think here that nothing could get worse for Job. You know, and he's sitting there, and he, he is silent, he is weeping, he is in agony, and he sees his three closest friends approaching. And you imagine what he might be thinking, that they're here to comfort him, that they're here to uh, uplift him. And yet, uh, notice what they do say when they arrive in Job 4 and verse 7, when they begin to speak. He says, remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? And so they accuse him of doing something terrible. That you must be the worst kind of sinner for God to afflict you with all of these things. And so Job has to endure this uh, as his friends uh, throughout the ten times they make these accusations against Job. Uh, if you'll turn over to, to Job chapter 19, which will be our text. Uh, it says there in verse one, it says, Job answered and said, How long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? These ten times have you reproached me. You're not ashamed that you make yourself strange to me. And be it indeed that I have erred, mine error remaineth with myself. If indeed ye will magnify yourselves against me and plead against me uh, my reproach, Know now that God hath overthrown me and hath compassed me with his net. Behold, I cry out of wrong, but I am not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment. He hath fenced me up, or fenced up my way that I cannot pass. 
He hath set forth darkness in my paths. He hath stripped me of my glory, hath taken the crown from my head. He hath destroyed me on every side. I am gone, and mine hope hath he removed like a tree. He hath also kindled his wrath against me, and he counted me unto him as one of his enemies. His troops come together and raise up their way against me and encamp around about my tabernacle. He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintances are very estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I, am called my, I, I called my servant, and he gave me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth. My breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake of mine own body. Yea, young children despised me. I rose, and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I love turned against me. My bone cleaveth to my skin and to my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. Have pity upon me, have mercy, or have pity upon me, O ye my friends, for the hand of God hath touched me. Why do ye persecute me as God, and are not satisfied with my flesh? You think about that, all that Job is enduring. You know, his life is like a roller coaster with its ups and its downs. You know, he is being verbally assaulted by his closest friends. He doesn't really understand this situation. He, he thinks that God is punishing him. He believes God is doing this. He doesn't know why. He knows that he's innocent. Now, you know, we, of course, in the first two chapters, we get to see behind the scenes what's going on. We know who's really behind this terrible assault. We know it's the devil that's working here. God allows Satan to test Job. In the end, though, God is going to restore Job better than his former post because Job is going to maintain his integrity. Job is going to maintain his faith in God. And we see it very clearly as we go on in this chapter. He says, oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and am not another, and though my reins be consumed within me. And so uh, during the time of his greatest struggle, Job thought his life was really over. He thought his life, that life had treated him unfairly. He thought God had treated him unfairly. He desperately sought an answer as to why he had to suffer the things that he did. And he believed that he would only find that answer after his death when he stood before God. You know, with all his struggles, Job could still say, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he looked forward to the day when he could uh, see him face to face and find out why. This has happened to him. You know, really, this is a prophetic statement about Christ and the day of judgment, whether he knew it or not. And so we're going to notice three things uh, about this passage. And I forgot to run the slides. But the first thing we're going to notice here is his confidence. He says, I know 
that my Redeemer liveth. He knows in the end he will be redeemed. He knows he has a confidence in the incarnation into this world of one who would redeem him. And we're talking about Christ. He, he, he had a confidence that the Redeemer would come. You know, it's interesting that when Christ came, He came to redeem those that were lost, those who were bound under sin, but not just those that would come after Him, but those that came before. It was through His sacrifice and His, his coming as a Redeemer that even Job and others that died long before and long after Him, before the coming of Christ, that they had their ultimate redemption in Christ. But Christ had to come in the flesh in order to die. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. You know, centuries before Christ's birth, God's prophet spoke of the coming of a Messiah. You know, Job recognized that a Redeemer was coming. He didn't know in what form. He didn't know how. He didn't know when. But he knew, at least on the day of judgment, he would stand redeemed. Uh, you know, modern day prophecy, uh, you know, is very vague, very general. And it doesn't, you know, of course, it's not inspired. You think about like Nostradamus and things like that. You know, he gives these kind of really vague ideas of what's going to happen. And, and you know, you can take any event and make them fit into those uh, kind of open-ended prophecies. That's not how God's prophecies work, though. That's not how uh, Job's prophecy here is very specific. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And so you think about the prophets, and they talked about everything about Christ, uh, where he would be born. In Bethlehem, Micah 5 and verse 2. Zechariah prophesied of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He also prophesied of the betrayal price, those 30 pieces of silver. Uh, Isaiah, of course, in the 53rd chapter, you, know, you read there about the vicarious suffering of Christ. All that he went through in his life. Uh, the way that he was brought up as a tender plant and as a root out as a dry ground, uh, that there is no beauty, that, that people would desire him, that he would give his life a sacrifice for the transgressors. All of these things we see uh, in, in hundreds and hundreds more prophecies of the Old Testament fulfilled in Christ. You know, 700 years before his birth, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 7 and verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This was, of course, fulfilled when the angel of the Lord announced to, to Joseph in Matthew 1, verse 20. Matthew 1, verse 20 to 23. But while he thought on these things, you know, the fact that she was uh, with child, and yet they had not been together, they were not married yet, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken 
of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so Job had a confidence in a coming uh, Savior that he would come in flesh, that he would be born and live in this world as a Redeemer. A confidence that our Savior was born of a virgin. And a confidence that He came to be our Redeemer. You know, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, you know, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. And so Paul says, let's take special emphasis here. This is a worthy saying, uh, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul recognized that Christ was his redeemer. He came to redeem Paul. You know, we, we need to make it personal. When we think about it, we need to, to, to make it personal that God came to redeem me. He came, or Christ came to redeem me. You know, in, in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, Paul there, at the end of his life, he says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I uh, am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He had a unswerving, an unwavering confidence. That Christ was keeping uh, all that he had given unto him. You know, the sacrifice of Christ is what provided salvation. The greatest gift ever given to man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, Jesus came to be our redeemer. A redeemer is one who pays a price. Uh, he pays a ransom. You know, you think about uh, as Christians or as individuals, when we fall short of the glory of God, when we sin, sin becomes our master. Even as Paul said in Romans 6 and verse 16, he says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. You know, sin is a master. But Christ has redeemed us from that master of sin, from that bondage of sin. When we obey that form of doctrine. When we are baptized for the remission of our sins. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. It says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And then 1 Timothy 2 verses 3 through 6 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to a, a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, that man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And so, you know, it involves confidence 
that we are saved. You know, Job recognized that he was not unrighteous, that he, he never claimed that he was perfect, but he never uh, found that he was guilty of, of what his friends accused him of being. He had a confidence in his salvation, ultimately, that he would, in his flesh, that he would be redeemed. You know, some people ask, you ask some folks if they're saved, and they say, well, I hope I am. I think I am. I hope I am. But, you know, in 1 John 5 and verse 13, it says there, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now John says you can know. You can have confidence in your salvation. You can know that you were saved. No matter what happens in life, we should be able to say with Job, I know that my Redeemer liveth. We see also in this, uh, these verses a victory. He says, he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. You know, uh, if there's a victory, then there must, uh, of course, be an enemy. We know ultimately the enemy is the devil. We know it from Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. Who's behind everything that happens here? You know, there's an enemy. There cannot be a victory without opposition, without someone to overcome. And our powerful enemy, though he's not as powerful as a lot of people think, our powerful enemy, of course, is the devil. We see it in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. He deceived mankind into sin and to fall from God. You know, when we sin, that's what separates us from God, Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. And we know that everyone sins, for all the sin and come short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. And so we have a powerful enemy. We have uh, that enemy, Satan. And when we sin, uh, we are bound and in bondage to that sin. We have an enemy that has to be overcome. Our enemy has a goal. You know, the, the devil knows his fate. He knows what's going to happen to him. He's going to be cast into that lake of fire which burns uh, eternally. Prepared for him and his angels, Matthew 25 and verse 41. But he wants to take you and me with him there. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, that's why we're, set, uh, we're told to be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, Satan wants us to serve him. By turning away from God. He wants us to share His fate in eternity. And so we have an enemy. An enemy uh, that we cannot overcome on our own. You know, there is a victor. And that victory comes through Jesus Christ. And only through Him. Without Him, we cannot be, uh, we cannot come out victorious. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He knows what we're going through. He's experienced it. 
the temptation, the trials, the difficulties of life. You know, you think about uh, uh, Job is kind of a, a type of Christ here in that he is suffering unjustly. And yet, just like Christ, his faith is un, really unwavering. He questions, certainly. Job has a lot of questions. That's why he wants to stand before God. That's why he wants to see God in his flesh. So that he can have those answers. But he has faith in God. You know, another passage in Job says, Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. You know, Jesus was tempted, just like we are. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. First uh, John chapter 2, verse 15. Uh, Jesus, of course, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, was tempted in those three ways by the tempter. And each time he sent him packing with these words, it is written. Jesus overcame Satan with power, uh, overcame Satan with the powerful, uh, powerfulness, I guess, the, of his death and of his resurrection. He overcame Satan. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says, For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. So Jesus overcame through the resurrection. He overcame, uh, overcame death itself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 55 to 57. He sa it says there, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. But we cannot have this victory without Christ, without the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 it says that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in this world. Without God, without Christ, there is no hope in this world. There is uh, no ability to overcome. Man cannot overcome his uh, burden of sin on his own. Only through Christ and only through his sacrifice could we be redeemed. Could we have that victory? And then we see in these verses from Job uh, a judgment. He says, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Though after my skin uh, worms destroy this body, he says, after this body in which I live now in flesh, I will see God. Or from my flesh, I will see God. Points to a time when life is over. Time to give account of things that were done. You know, we do have a Redeemer, uh, Christ Jesus. We can know for certainty. We can know that Redeemer was victorious over death. He is no longer subject to it. it by His powerful death and resurrection, He overcame the death uh, and gave us eternal life. But there is a coming time when there is going to be 
a judgment. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgments. There's going to come a time when we will stand before God, who is our righteous judge. You know, notice what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 4, verse 8, where he says, Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. You know, Job was judged of the men of his day. His three friends, uh, later, uh, even another one comes along. Uh, he, he talks about all the people that he is alienated from that have judged him a sinner. And that want nothing to do with him. He has confidence, though, that there is a righteous judge that he will stand before. That God is righteous. That any and all false accusations are going to be done away with. He knew this. He knew he was accused of evil. He knew he would stand in the judgments before God to give an account of those things done to the body, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10 But because of his faith, he was prepared. He even looked forward to the day when he would stand before his Redeemer, when he would stand before that righteous judge. He was confident in that day that God would acquit him of all the things his friends have accused him of. Not so with those who are wicked. A wicked man. If Job had been an evil, wicked man that his friends accused him of, he would have looked forward to the day of judgment with fear and trembling. But he looked forward to it with confidence. And we can have that same confidence because we have that same Redeemer, Jesus Christ. He is now our Redeemer. There's a day coming though when He will be our judge. And we're going to be judged uh, by Him. By His Word. The judgment will not be to decide whether or not we are innocent or guilty. But rather it's going to be a sentencing. You know, this life in which we live is really our trial as to whether we are going to serve God and be faithful to Him. Now is the time to prepare for that eternal sentence. Yes, Job suffered great loss. But in the end, we know that Job was cleared. He got twice as much back that he, as what he lost. Job did learn a great lesson from God. And a lesson that we can benefit from. Through all of his suffering, the loss of everything that he had. The loss of the respect of his wife, his friends. He could still say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. You know, Job suffered and his suffering was unique in its uh, intensity. But all of us, to some degree or another, we do suffer. Some of us are suffering physically. Our bodies just hurt. Some of us are suffering you know, mental anguish. We've lost friends. We've lost loved ones. We've seen uh, those we care about uh, go back into the world. Some of us maybe are suffering because we know that we have sinned and, and that we're not living right. But we can find comfort in knowing that there is a Redeemer 
Job understood this. Job looked forward to meeting his Redeemer and meeting his judge and seeing him face to face and recognizing that he had been faithful. We have a Redeemer that loves us. We have a judge, a righteous judge that wants to pass a great, beautiful sentence upon us of life eternal. He has offered an invitation to all who suffer because of sin. Hebrews chapter, or Matthew, excuse me. Matthew 11, verses 28. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Yes, we have a Redeemer who came and He gave His life a ransom for our sins so that we could spend eternity with Him and His Father in heaven. Today, if you're here and you recognize that you are a sinner, that you are lost, then if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, then act upon that belief. Repent of your sins. Turn away from a life of sin. Turn and follow God's will and do uh, follow His and keep His commandments. Repent of your sins. Confess your belief that Jesus is the Son of God. Be baptized to wash away your sins so that you can stand before Him on the day of judgment cleansed and clean of all sins. We urge you today, if you are a Christian and you have not been faithful as a Christian, you know, maybe you face things like Job did, but instead of maintaining your faith, you fell away. You lost your faith. We urge you to seek God once more. We urge you to repent of your sins, to be restored to that right relationship with God. You know, this is a, a new year, a new beginning. Use it as an opportunity to do right and to be right with God. You know, we're here to help you in any way that we can. You know, that, this is what the church is for, is to help one another. We want to go to heaven. We want everyone to go to heaven. And we want to help each other get there. I think about it in my life, in my journey, and, and I can't do it by myself. You know, I need you. We need each other. And so let us lean into that, this thought, that we need Christ and we need each other. This morning, if you're subject to invitation, if you want to become a child of God, if you just need to study more, to learn more about becoming a Christian, if you are a Christian, and again, you're, you're not faithful as you have been, as you should be, we urge you to repent. We're here to help you today. Let us know by coming to the front row or in some other way. Let us know so that we can help you as together we stand and as we sing.